That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are recording another episode of Same Old Song. These are the readings that are scheduled for the 28th of July, so we're entering the dog days of summer. This is uh, Proper 12, or the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. We're in track one. But before we get to it, how are you doing? You're poolside in the Catskills. How's that feel? <laughs> you know, it's good. It's a little... I'm only poolside because uh, the internet in my house was so terrible. So, um, but um, it's good. The kids are, um, you know, bundling up and uh, finishing their swim lessons. So uh, if you hear screams um, of joy and terror, you know, it's because I'm at the Twilight Park Pool House trying to get, nothing will stop me from getting this podcast done. I just not even sketchy Internet. We love you that much, listeners. And I, so, I will uh, say I love I love the pool in the summer. It's the place of delicious nachos. It's uh, mm. the place of Skittles. Yeah, it's just a great. I bet there are a lot of people there, even at this early hour recording in the morning, that have Yeti tumblers full of gin and tonics. <laughs> They're all down at the clubhouse, but the problem with the clubhouse is it doesn't have internet. So, um, but um, yes, but here there's Skittles and uh, red vine licorice, mm. and um, you know. Um, you know, healthy man could lose a pair of eyes, but nonetheless. <laughs> what a country. Are, okay. So. Happy summer. <laughs> well, let's let's get on to the prophet so we get a little bit more judgment in our lives, which clearly you need. So Amos, uh, we're in Amos 8 this morning as we're in track one, and we're going to go into Colossians. We're going to continue there and then ending with Luke 10. So Amos 8, we begin with uh, a pun that is totally lost in English. So randomly, Amos begins with God showing him a basket of fruit. And you're like, why are we doing a still life here? What is going on? And it's because the word in Hebrew, kayetz, for a basket, is this sounds very similar to the word uh, end. So God shows Amos a basket of fruit and says, what do you see? <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? And so Amos is like, uh, it's two. It's a basket of fruit. I see a basket of fruit. And God's like, good. And then he says, the end has come upon my people. The word end and the word basket sounds the same, so it's kind of a pun. Yeah. So, but it's not just any basket of fruit. It's a summer basket of fruit. And um, if you know anything yeah, about what's the summer significance fruit, of it's that? always very... Well, you know, because we have farmers markets all over here, and so summer strawberries, you got summer cherries, summer corn all coming along. But guess what? That fruit, as ripe and delicious as it is in the moment, will not last past the fall. And so this is one of the things that Amos is getting at, is that everything may appear to be fine right now. Everything may be appear to be as sweet as a strawberry, but um, uh, judgment is a coming. 
Yeah, and so he gets specific about some of the things that he's judging. Last week, Amos uh, was talking about the Lord's plumb line being dropped into the middle of the people of Israel, sort of showing um, the crookedness and bentness of all their ways and a threat of judgment. And now he's going to tell a little bit more about what's uh, what's wrong with uh, the people. And it's... it's um, it's not the sins that we often think of being the big bad sins. The people, the things that we tend to think of as sins in our culture tend to be influenced a lot by Puritanism or whatever American brand of Christianity. We tend to focus on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But the things that God is focusing on here, in addition to idolatry and all that sort of stuff, the, one of the big things is he says, you trample on the needy and bring ruin to the poor of the land. Specifically, there's uh, some systemic injustice, which is something that people like to talk about today, uh, and rightfully so. But uh, when he says in verse 5, we will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances. This is talking about trade and commerce and how um, if you're weighing something, if a poor person brings you their goods to sell you in the market, uh, if you're like a the middleman or whatever, you're going to be the reseller of the raw materials that the poor people bring to you. Uh, you want to weigh the stuff that they've brought you and then pay them based on that, and they've got, uh, they've rigged the system. They've got some sort of jacked up scale, which is going to make it look like they've brought you less than they actually have, so that you can pay them just yeah. a little bit, and um, even if they bring you an ephah, we're gonna, which is a measure of weight, we're going to make it look smaller so that we can pay you less and we can, we can pocket the difference. And so he says, you're buying the poor for silver. Yeah, and that is, and that's the summer fruit of the big sin that they've forgotten, um, and that is, is that they actually think it is their land. Uh, they think that um, they have helped God out in some ways in making this happen, and uh, you know, you go back to um, the, you go back to the Pentateuch, and God is constantly reminding the people of Israel that no, this isn't your, this is the land that I have given you, and you know, when we think that it's a partnership with God, when we think that somehow we've earned this, that this is ours then um, we will do what it takes to keep it. And uh, this is what, um, so the injustice is the fruit of them thinking that this is theirs. Uh, the injustice is the fruit of them thinking that somehow they're partners or in ownership of this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, when they first move into the land, God, in essence, commands inefficiency. He says, when you harvest your fields, don't go all the way to the corners. Leave something for the poor. Uh, don't don't sweep up every little piece of grain that might fall to the ground when you're harvesting. Leave things so that people can glean, so that the poor people can gather. And so you go from this divine command of inefficiency and uh, um, so that the, there's a system to help the poor. And now we've gotten to a place in Israel where they think, oh, this is our land and we got to milk every little thing out of it to the point that they're being dishonest and they've built systems to kind of take advantage of the poor and take advantage of the powerless so that they can squeeze every last bit of profit out of the thing and and it's it's and God is not happy with it. Mm. And you begin to see, like towards the end, the real demonstration of the judgment is the the lack of any of God's word there. He says, the time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, but not a famine of bread or a thirst of water, but on the hearing of the word of the Lord. And uh, this is really, this is the truth even in our country today. I mean, it is like the lack of the hearing of the gospel, and people will go far and wide now to hear it. And uh, this is what makes what Mockingbird and what we do so important is to deliver the goods, um, because there is a famine, because, uh, you know, so much of Christianity has been dominated by the present moralism of the day. 
Well, let's uh, just transition on now to Colossians chapter 1, picking up on verse 15. Uh, And uh, here we have, picking up right after where we left off last week, um, Paul has just talked about how God and Christ has rescued us from darkness and brought us into light, and he's given us the forgiveness of sins, and says that he's done that through Christ, and so now in verse 15 he's going to talk about Christ, and he begins by saying he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and then goes on to say some really amazing things about Jesus Christ, um, that everything that was made was made through him, uh, that Jesus existed before all things. In him, all things hold together. So the iPhone that you're holding in your hand right now as you listen to this podcast, the atoms that hold together, the subatomic forces, uh, the weak forces, the strong forces, those electrons, all those things, that that Christ is the thing that is holding all things together. Um, and, uh, and then begins to say, Uh, this amazing thing in verse 19, that in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. Now, you do have some language in here that some folks that, you know, you and I, Jake, sometimes have talked uh, very passionately about the Trinity, uh, about the full divinity of Christ, that Jesus is God. He's not a lesser God. He's not JV God, but he's the full deal. And there's some things, some language in here that people might say, well, wait a second, like, how is Jesus the firstborn of all creation? That, does that mean he was born? There was a time that he didn't exist, um, uh, or something like that. Uh, what is what is Paul saying here using this firstborn language? So what Paul is talking about here is, is we believe in one God, but in three persons. And so here he is describing the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, and so uh, this is what we see him in, in, in his person, in his fullness and glory. This isn't anything less than the Father. This is just distinct in Jesus' person and in his function as the Son. And so then we're going to move on to Luke chapter 10. Yeah, that's right. We got Luke chapter 10 here, this famous passage of Mary and Martha. You know, I'm sad to say that at St. Albans, Waco, we have a beautiful stained glass window of Mary and Martha uh, and the Lord instructing uh, them in their house. Uh, And we have a series of stained glass windows that show great women of the Bible. There's a Ruth and Naomi one. There's a Mary and Elizabeth one. But we've put them... previous generations uh, elected to put all of those stained glass windows not in the nave, not in the main part of the church, but in the sacristy, way back, sort of essentially in the kitchen, uh, where we prepare everything for communion on Sunday, which I feel is, it's like a, uh, it's a little bit of a, uh, (laughs) you know, come on guys. But anyways, neither here nor there. Here we have Martha and Mary. Jesus is meeting them in their home, and, uh, um, uh, we this is this these two by the way are the sisters of Lazarus who will be raised from the dead later we'll see that but um, you have these two women one is listening to Jesus sitting at his feet uh, and kind of neglecting the responsibilities of uh, domestic life and hosting uh, an important guest uh, while Martha is distracted and doing the work in the kitchen and setting the table and, uh, you know, checking the roast and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, you get this famous conversation where Martha comes out and just kind of sighs, big eye roll, don't you care, she's left me to do all the work by myself. Uh, Tell her to help me. Now this is how a lot of us, I think, Jake, approach Jesus. Lord, you see all these people that are not getting it done. I would like you to straighten them out. Would you please make my husband care more about God than he does? Would you please make my child um, get their act together uh, and start uh, applying themselves in school? Would you Would you please 
uh, tell my parents to get off my back. We always have ways we want the Lord to fix people. Uh, I pray about you, Jake, a lot that the Lord would fix you, and he's yet to answer my prayers. And and the same with you. I wish you'd carry your load a little more. <laughs> so, but that's what it is to be a Mary in a Martha's world. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> that's. That, I think we just got our podcast title. Now, <laughs> yeah, when right. we uh, when we um, hear this passage, a lot of people are going to take this, and so Jesus says, like Martha, uh, Martha, you're being extra. Chill out. And. Uh, mm. Uh, Mary has chosen the better thing, which is to listen to me. So how do you preach this passage? Because you could make it just sort of a like an Aesop's fables, sort of like, so be like Mary, don't be like Martha, uh, settle down, uh, let let the house go, don't fold the laundry, uh, don't worry about the kitchen counters, uh, and just read your Bible all the time. Is that what this is saying? How do you, where do you, where do you go with this? No, yeah, this, uh, the way I would approach this passage is, is that, so who do they have in their house? They have this very, um, this prolific rabbi whom they all believe to be the Messiah. And so, um, and essentially, uh, um, Martha is like doing all of this stuff for him, trying to set the house up, trying to make it perfect for him, trying to impress him with her deeds and her clean house and her wonderful roast. Well, um, uh, Mary um, is just sitting there at Jesus' feet. And what Jesus says here is very key to understanding this passage. One thing is necessary. And, uh, and this is, um, you know, you can bring this into kind of like our justification. And so uh, there is one thing that's ultimately necessary, and it's not cleaning your house for Jesus so that he might come and really be impressed with you. But rather, when it comes into spiritual terms and when it comes to your faith, it is to sit at his feet and hear the gospel and hear that he's actually prepared a place for you. That's the one thing that's actually necessary in this life and this age. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that people often take this passage and turn it into a law. So, okay, so we're not supposed to be like Martha. Uh, we're supposed to be like Mary, and that means to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. And so I've heard preachers take this and teachers take this, and they say, okay, so what that means is to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him now means like lots of quiet times, lots of scripture memorization, lots lots of journaling, uh, and 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 they make it into another list of things to do. And again, yeah, quiet so times, you're scripture Martha, reading. Once again, you're yeah. Those you're are all Martha good things, again. but they basically turn Mary into a spiritual Martha and say, "Do that." And Mary's posture is not; it's just so restful and just being receptive and. Um, She's she's she couldn't be more passive in a sense. Uh, so I think um, what I would go with this where this is just to kind of talk about the fact that Martha, yeah, she looks like nobody else looks in our world. She looks like somebody who is just resting uh, and who's curious and who's open. And that's and that is Jesus is already in the house. He already is there uh, conveying his love. He's already there teaching. And, and our work our work, is just to sit there. And so, you know, there's that whole uh, don't just sit there, do something. Really, for us, it's don't just do something, just sit there, just rest. Which is a good word for summer. It's a good word for somebody who's poolside uh, to in, in the, in the, you know, there's um. There's so much activity and stressfulness in life, uh, and I wish more people knew that Christianity was was a thing of rest. I tell you, I was feeling like a Martha earlier today with our internet struggles, though, just kind of running around trying to get the internet in order. But here we are, you know, and um, it is just simply resting, and, and looking at all these kids around the poolside reminds me of that. It's just, you know, one thing is necessary, and that's just to be. 
Amen. Well, that'll preach, and I think that's a that'll give us our shorter internet-challenged episode, uh, a good summertime episode um, for all you folks out there. If you want to preach uh, Amos, uh, you you talk about um, uh, God who will bring uh, justice, but ultimately he points us to one um, who will finally solve our problems uh, of um, our continued human running around of not doing right in pointing us to Jesus Christ, uh, that we need we need the word of the Lord who is ultimately Jesus Christ, uh, the word made flesh. Uh, you heard us talk about Colossians 1, who Christ is. He is the second person in the Trinity, and he is the one who comes to uh, reconcile all of us. And um, and uh, bring back anyone who was estranged and hostile. Uh, now we're reconciled. And what that looks like is Mary just chilling out, resting, knowing that she doesn't have to do anything. Only one thing is needed, which is to rest in Christ, his finished work on the cross. So preach something and may the Lord enable your words. Jake, what do you want to say? And remember, whether you're a Martha or a Mary, you're always a material girl. <laughs> have a great weekend. God bless you all. Praise the Lord. Somebody's looking. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. <laughs>